Welcome to the Fraudian Slip, the Identity Theft Resource Center's podcast where we talk about all things identity compromise, crime, and fraud that impact people and businesses. Typically, on this podcast, we would introduce a topic, a guest expert, and our CEO, Eva Velasquez. This month, we're focusing on one of our signature reports. Earlier this week, Eva reviewed our 2022 Trends and Identity Report, supported by IDIQ, which looks at identity crimes committed against individuals. Here's what she had to say. All right, everyone. I am a stickler for starting things on time, and it is 2 p.m. Eastern, so we are going to get this ball rolling. Thank you so much, everyone, and welcome. Thank you for joining us for today's webinar. My name is Tim Walden. I am the amorphous voice in the background, and I'd just like to say welcome. I'm the communications leader at the Identity Theft Resource Center, and today we are going to have a fantastic webinar. Today, we're going to be reviewing the data from the 2022 Trends and Identity Report. This is an exclusive look at the latest trends and patterns of identity crimes and compromises that affect individuals. And this webinar will be led by our very own CEO, Eva Velasquez. And so without any further ado, I'm going to turn it right on over to Eva. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate that. And I echo Tim's sentiments. Welcome to our 2022 Trends in Identity Report webinar. Uh, as you know, I'm Eva Velasquez, CEO of the ITRC, and appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to join us to learn more about the trends we're seeing in our contact center. I have to give a special shout out to IDIQ, the sponsor of this year's report. Without the support of our sponsors, we could not do the work that we do, and we couldn't continue to provide our free recovery and risk minimization services to victims and consumers. Now, we've been providing these types of services to consumers and victims for decades, and it wasn't until last year that we made the decision to publish the findings gleaned from the people that contact us every day. And this report highlights some of the, oh, the incremental, the dramatic, and the even the unexpected changes in the identity crime landscape that we saw last year. For those of you who aren't very familiar with us, we are a 501c3 nonprofit, and since 1999, we've been working to empower and guide consumers, victims, businesses, and government to minimize their risk and mitigate the impact of identity compromise and crime. Uh, we publish uh, many reports. This is one of four reports that we publish annually. We also have our data breach report, our consumer impact report, and our business impact report. And also new this year, we recently published some preliminary research findings for our identity in practice research, which explores how members of the Black community use, maintain, and protect their identities. Uh, we use this research to obviously to help inform the field, just like we're doing right now, but we also use it to inform our program service delivery in our contact center. Every year we're providing that free one-on-one -on -one direct assistance to the public through our toll-free number, live chat on our website, email, snail mail, heck, carrier pigeon. I mean, any way the public wants to engage with us, we are going to meet them where they're at and we're there for them. And the, the other way that we use this, we also leverage it in our advocacy efforts so we can educate lawmakers, not only about the, the trends and how these crimes are being committed, but also how it actually impacts victims and people. 
I'm I'm not going to read through all of these definitions. They're just they appear throughout the report, and it's just to ensure that we're using common language when we're talking about these issues. But just a few words on a couple of these um, compromises, identity compromises. Sometimes people think only of data breaches, but compromises are much broader than just data breaches. And I think that uh, a lot of people don't realize just how much information is self compromised through scams. On social engineering, I'm going to spend a lot of time on this further into the presentation, but I really want to make it clear just how sophisticated this has become. And I want people to understand that everyone is vulnerable. For most of the folks listening right now, it's probably really easy to think, you know, ah, oh, that can't happen to me. I'm too savvy for that. But we're all human. And these tactics are designed to exploit that those human tendencies. So under the right set of circumstances, any of us could become a victim. And uh, regarding account takeover, ATO, we'll talk a lot about financial accounts and social media accounts because uh, it's so prevalent right now. But just uh, keep in mind, it's broader than that. It can really be any online account. So let's talk about the key takeaways. Uh, and we're going to cover each of these today. I'll do a deep dive into all of these on subsequent slides. And then once we look at the overall 2022 trends, I'm gonna give you a little preview into what we're, we saw in Q1 of this year, 2023. So for victim contacts, we didn't quite hit the record high we had last year, but man, it was so close, pretty darn close. And I think this new increased baseline is for us, it's here to stay. And that tells me that the landscape is getting increasingly treacherous and complex. You know, people contact us for a variety of reasons, and we see a multitude of different types of cases and issues. But the, the macro trend that I'm seeing is that people either have a complex or complicated case, or they encounter an issue with an established recovery process. On the first one, cases can be complicated because, oh, for a, a variety of reasons. Maybe they have a lot of issues going on simultaneously. Maybe they have a persistent thief that just keeps trying and won't give up. Um, sometimes they know the thief and there's this additional layer of emotional turmoil going on with, with reporting and recovery. And then for the other ones, the ones that are encountering an issue with an established process, sometimes it's the person and sometimes it's the process. You know, maybe the person simply doesn't have the tools or the knowledge to, to navigate these processes successfully. Um, sometimes it's folks who don't engage online all that often. And this can be our senior population, but not always. It's just, just folks who, when they do encounter an issue, they don't know where to start, or maybe they're dealing with a platform that doesn't provide any kind of direct assistance to users, only that online um, self-directed self-help. And yes, I'm talking to you, social media companies. Uh, maybe it's someone with limited English proficiency, and they don't have the, the vocabulary to either communicate what's, what's occurred or to understand the instructions that, that are being given. And sometimes it's someone who simply navigates the online world differently, like our, our blind, low vision population. You know, they use screen readers to, we, to read website information. And uh, we learned through our work with this population that these screen readers don't have universal settings. Um, 
you know, they, they're all different. And so educating them on how to set the screen reader setting for, to read the full header of an email actually helped a lot with um, helping them to identify less sophisticated phishing emails. That's a little side note. And the, the last thing is sometimes folks use a process properly. They do follow all of the directions and the process simply, it failed them. It just didn't work the way it was supposed to. So let's dig into the data, the, the reported identity crimes in 2022 to the ITRC. Uh, I said before, very close to what we saw last year, close to 15,000 total crimes reported to us, and it's less than a 1% decrease from last year. More than half of those cases, 55%, were around compromised credentials, meaning their information has been exposed and it is at risk of being misused, but no misuse is known to have occurred yet. Um, I mentioned this before, but this isn't just data breaches. This includes compromises of all types, including self-compromise. Maybe they provided their credentials uh, during a phone scam or to a phony website or via email. And then the 40% the of folks that had their credentials actively misused really want to call this out. This, this represents a significant shift for us from the prior two years. Previously, 26% of our contacts reported actual misuse. So that's increased to 40% this year. Now, these could be cases of financial uh, identity theft or government benefits, uh, criminal, you know, when a thief provides someone else's credentials during the commission of a crime, and, and even medical. Now, the last two, criminal and medical, they're quite small percentages, quite small in numbers. Criminal only accounted for 4% and medical only accounts for 1% of the total cases into our call center. But those are often very difficult, very difficult uh, types of identity theft to remediate. And then requesting prevention, that was 3% of our cases people had some kind of exposure to the issue. Maybe a, a friend or a family member is experiencing, experiencing identity theft. Maybe they saw a news article about it and they're reaching out for risk minimization tips. Yeah, only 3%. And while this does represent an increase over the previous year, I wish that number was higher. It, it tells me that we just have a lot more work to do to get people thinking about minimizing their risk before an actual event occurs. And then attempted misuse. Uh, generally speaking, this is where the misuse was detected by the entity where the attempt occurred, and they then informed the victim. And now the victim is concerned about maybe what else they should be doing. And sometimes they're just double checking with us that the, the information they were given and the, the preventative information steps, that it's, it is in fact correct. They just want a, a second opinion. So the number of crimes reported per victim in 2022, you can see the vast majority of folks reached out for help with a single incident but more than 10% were dealing with multiple issues. And those multiple issues can be within the same sector. So it's a, maybe it's all financial, but it's at different banks, or retailers, or credit card issues. Or it can be in multiple sectors. So a single victim can be dealing with new financial accounts in their name, as well as um, maybe someone applying for unemployment or another type of government benefit in their name. Now let's think just a moment about the folks dealing with multiple incidents. For a single incident, a victim is likely going to need to make contact with 
on average, three to five entities to resolve it. The entity where the fraud occurred, of course, a reporting entity like a police department or the Federal Trade Commission to get their ID theft affidavit, and then us, the ITRC. And when government is involved, they are likely contacting more places. For example, with unemployment, they they have to contact the state or the states where it's occurring. They will likely have to contact the IRS to make sure it doesn't get reported as income. If they are our senior population and they're on Social Security, they have to contact the Social Security Administration. And then, of course, a reporting entity like their local police department. So three to five is a safe average number of contacts per or entities they need to contact per incident. And I'm not counting if they have to make multiple contacts with the same entity, which is often the case. And that's if all the processes work as they should. Now think about the person who's doing that four times or six times or 10 times. I know it's only 1% of the cases that we captured, but those folks now essentially have a temporary unpaid part-time job as an identity recovery specialist to recover their own identity. All right, let's look at the, the identity misuse in 2022. We saw on the previous slide that we had 5,961 cases of identity misuse. And the misuse cases were primarily due to existing account takeover at 61%, over new account creation at 32%. Overall, for both ATO and new accounts, we separated out the account types into four categories, non-government, non-financial accounts, financial, state government, and federal government. For non-government, non-financial accounts, that was 46% of those within this category. And of those, the overwhelming majority, 72%, were social media accounts. For financial accounts, that, that accounted for 40% of these, which includes credit card accounts at 44% and bank accounts at 33%. For the state and federal government accounts, it was 14%, and it was split evenly, 7% state, 7% federal. For the state government, the majority were unemployment accounts at 71% and DMV accounts made up uh, 15%. And we've seen significant growth in this area. I'll talk a little bit more about that in our emerging trends section. And then on the federal side, most of the accounts were due to the IRS at 78%. Okay, I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers at you. Please remember these are all in the report. And I encourage you to take a look at those, but let's let's look at another way to break this down. Um, existing account takeover and new account creation by category. And you can see on this slide, the percentage of ATO versus new account creation for each category. For non-government, non-financial, 88% were existing account takeover. Social media accounts were the account type most impacted by a staggering 81%. Uh, for the 12% that were new account creation, there were there were so many, I mean, that's the kind of, you know, the everything else. That's so many different types of accounts. So the most impacted that we captured was 22%. And these were accounts that were undisclosed by the victim. And that was followed by cell phone accounts at 18%. And then there were just a lot of other subtypes at very small percentages because that's such a broad category. 
For financial accounts, 48% were for ATO. And of those, checking accounts were the most impacted at 46%, followed by 41% for credit card accounts. And for that 52% of newly created accounts, it was credit cards that came in first at 47%, and then bank accounts were the next highest at 20%. For federal government accounts, uh, that's that 62% uh, for account takeover and 38% for new account creation, IRS was the most impacted for both. And that was at 84% and 68% respectively. For state government, that that 30% uh, due to existing account takeover, unemployment accounts were the most impacted at 57%, followed by DMV with the next highest at 25%. And then the 70% that were new account creation, it was unemployment again at 78% and DMV again at 10%. We're seeing a trend there. So let's look at identity compromises. This year, we saw that 3% increase in identity compromises due to a scam. And in 2021, it was 77%. So little, a uh, small bump in growth. And you can see that the victims most often contacted us regarding the Google Voice scam. Other scam categories for context, um, you know, victims believe that they're talking to legitimate organizations, and then they're induced into revealing their information. 7% uh, of victims reported government grant scams. Another 7% thought they were contacted by a well-known business like, um, you know, like a CVS or their cable company, maybe PayPal, places like that. 6% thought they were talking to a government agency like the IRS. Um, and we hear a lot of people uh, thinking they're talking to the Department of Homeland Security. And then 4% thought they were talking to some kind of prize or sweepstakes entity like their state lottery, or interestingly, Publishers Clearinghouse. Now, those of you of a certain age, like me, uh, you remember those commercials with Ed McMahon showing up at your door with an oversized check. And I had to check on this. Publishers Clearinghouse, still a real thing. It is still a legitimate sweepstakes. And that is what makes it so hard for victims to readily identify it as a scam. Um, you know, they do a little bit of research and they go, oh, it is still a thing. And so they, their hope, they think maybe I really did win. Obviously the difference is the legitimate sweepstakes is never going to ask for money up front for processing fees or to pay the taxes. But a lot of folks, they, they don't know that. They, they've never won the lottery. So they don't know how these system wor systems work. And if you're wondering what type of PII or credentials we're talking about in these compromises, sometimes in and of itself, the credential just by itself is, is of relatively low risk, like a name and an address. But 9% of victims reported it was their social security numbers. 6% reported it was their date of birth. And 5% reported it was their driver's license number that was exposed or compromised during these scams. So let's talk about the three, the three notable trends that we're seeing. Social engineering, uh, the use of manipulation, influence, and deception rather than technical skills. Boy, um, the threat actors, I said this before, they're no longer hacking, just hacking into our systems and our infrastructure. They're hacking our brains. And if you think about it, this means that the bar to entry for these perpetrators is practically non-existent. 
they no longer need to be able to grasp or build specific technical skills to be successful. Uh, they just need to know how to talk to people in a way that's going to resonate with them. And boy, have they been honing these skills, these non-technical skills over the last year. We already saw that Google Voice was the top scam reported to us. And the, the number one question I get about the Google Voice scam is why? What is the end goal of the scam? And the answer is it's all about subterfuge. Uh, they, they create a Google Voice account in your name so they can scam other people with it. And if on the off chance there was any kind of inter intervention by the platform or, or by law enforcement, all the evidence would simply lead back to you as the owner of that account. Now, in social media account takeover, this has absolutely spread like wildfire because once the thieves successfully take over one person's account, they can leverage that person's network of friends or followers by pretending to be the legitimate owner of that first account. And there's so many different ways to do it. And they've really been honing their tactics to make them resonate with that specific friend or follower. It's so highly targeted. Uh, I think we're all aware and we know we see the ones about, you know, it's a business or an investment opportunity, maybe a government grant that you're eligible for. But now a lot of times they're asking for help. Um, I, you know, I had an unforeseen event. Can you loan me money? Uh, I'm fundraising for this cause that I really believe in. Can you donate to this fundraiser? Um, you know, we know that a go-to tactic for the bad actors is, is greed and fear. But what I find particularly troubling about this new twist is they're exploiting our altruism. I mean, who doesn't want to help a friend? And, you know, in the end, they use that social engineering to not only get people to part with their money, which is often, the, that's the big ask, but also their data. And sometimes they're getting them to part with their social media account credentials so that they can then take over that account and the cycle starts all over again. Okay, the next notable trend, uh, misusing data. And while social media accounts were the primary type of account compromised in the past year, about 30% of existing account takeover and 62% of new account creation were reported as impacting financial accounts, primarily bank and credit card accounts. And resolving identity misuse involving financial accounts, though it's still time consuming, in general, these can be resolved more quickly because we do have uniform processes in place and they generally work. But the caveat to that is we are seeing a shift in how the financial institutions interpret what they are obligated to reimburse for fraud. We're hearing from folks who've been told that because they didn't practice proper duty of care um, with their data, with their login credentials, um, and especially in the case of um, account takeover, but also even when they've mailed a check and the check is stolen and washed, they're being told that they will not be reimbursed um, because they did not properly safeguard their information. And also, uh, I also want to remind us that financial accounts are, they are more than just credit cards and bank accounts. Um, now that, again, majority of cases that we saw, but this can also include car loans and, and mortgages. 
which can be so much more time consuming to resolve and have a much bigger life impact. So we've got some great case studies in the full report, and I encourage you to check those out. Okay, the last of our notable trends, driver's licenses. As you can see, we saw a lot of growth in this type of misuse, 4% in 2021 and now 15% in 2022. We rang the alarm bells on this last year and we were very concerned we would see growth in this, in this area as driver's licenses and driver's license numbers were needed for authentication and verification purposes. We knew this would make this credential type more valuable to the thieves. We noted increased uh, breaches containing driver's licenses. In fact, when, when driver's license were added to many of the state's online unemployment application portals, we began to see that a concerted effort from the threat actors to compromise systems that contain that information. Geico Insurance was one of the first that we saw that actually included in their data breach notification to the affected victims that they believed this data, the data of their insured that contained driver's license would be used to apply for unemployment benefits at the state level. And they then encourage those people to check with their state. So we, we then noted that that increased value of driver's license numbers made it into the identity marketplaces. They were now going for a lot more money if you were going to purchase them. And now, of course, it stands to reason we're starting to see the increased misuse because that data is more readily available. So that's the 2022 uh, report. Here's a little snapshot for what we've seen so far in 2023. We're, it's not slowing down. We're seeing continued growth in the contact center. Um, more folks with complex issues involving multiple accounts being compromised rather than just a single account. And I, I went into detail about how challenging that can be for the uh, individual victim. A uh, 20 percentage point growth in the contacts regarding PII compromises versus misuse. And thankfully, more people are requesting preventative information. And this last one, you know, this is really hard data to look at. We know, we know how devastating this can be to the people involved. This last one is just such a silver lining for us. And here's what's on the horizon for the ITRC. This is a, a list of our upcoming reports that will be published along with our breach alert for business. And if you have any questions or you want to learn more about us and the work that we're doing, if you're interested in collaborating with us, please don't hesitate to reach out. If you'd like more information on this proof of concept availability of our new breach alert for business, or in fact, any of our sponsorship opportunities, we welcome that conversation with you. I, I said it before, we rely on our sponsors to help us keep providing our free services to the public. Another shout out and another big thank you to IDIQ for their support of our work. Our next major annual report will be our consumer impact report in August. And this is the report where we do a deep dive into the real impacts of identity crimes, not just uh, how much time did you spend and how much money did you lose, but what were the emotional impacts, the physical impacts, what were the roadblocks? How did it, did it stop you from progressing in your life in specific ways? And I think this is such a good reminder. It's a great way for us to close 
especially when we've just spent, spent the 20 plus 20 some odd minutes focusing on all this data. There is a human face behind all of this data. Each of these incidents, there was a person whose life has been adversely impacted. Everything we just discussed today, these aren't just data points and these are people. And with that, I'll wrap this up and thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Eva. That was a fantastic presentation. And before we log out of here, I just want to let everyone know that we will be sending out a recording of this webinar within the week. And if you've got any additional questions regarding the 2022 uh, Trends and Identity Report, you are more than welcome to email webinar at idtheftcenter.org. Again, that's webinar at idtheftcenter.org, and we will be sure to get you some answers to those questions. Thank you so much, everyone, and we hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks to our CEO, Eva Velasquez, and thanks to IDIQ for their support in making this report possible. If you want to learn more about the crimes and compromises that impact your identity, privacy, or security, visit our website at idtheftcenter.org. Join us next week for our sister podcast, The Weekly Breach Breakdown, and we'll be back next month with another episode of The Fraudian Slip. You can listen on Apple, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, Audible, and Amazon. Thanks for listening.